Hey everyone, this is Jeanette, and I wanted to welcome you to Season 3 with a brand spanking new episode featuring the red-headed rock star of Baroque performance, Aislinn Noski. You might have heard of her from her highly active role in the top of music, Baroque Orchestra, or being the concertmaster of the Handel and Haydn Society. She also comes to Garth New Music Center every summer. She works with our Emerging Artist Fellows, and at the end of the week, they put on a Balls to the Walls, Balls to the Wall, Balls to the Wall singular, awesome show, and it becomes one of the most highly anticipated and exciting concerts of the year. Aislinn is brilliant, wonderful, fascinating, full of information. She's one of the smartest people that I've had the pleasure of knowing, and she's also hilarious. Our conversation was so fun that it went pretty long. So here's part one. Part two will come out in a couple weeks and hope you enjoy. Oh, just a quick note. I have recently discovered that iTunes only carries about 10 of our episodes, which I don't really get because we have like 26 out. So if you want to hear old episodes, which I recommend because some of them are really interesting, just go to our website, so many wrong notes.com. S-O-M-A-N-Y-W-R-O-N-G. N-O-N-T-E-S dot com. I don't know why I had to spell that out. Just wanted to be clear. You'll find all of our episodes there. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Aislinn Noski. So many wrong notes! So we're here with the famous Aislinn Noski. Woo! Who, uh, is here at Garth to do, what do you call this, the Baroque Week? Yeah, I think officially it's Baroque Week. Yeah. Baroque Week, oh, officially, okay. Yes. So what are you guys playing on Saturday? Yeah, so we have a concert of Vivaldi's Four Seasons and uh, little quartets by Rossini, something I never played before. It's got a prominent double bass part in it. With of our course. guest, Tony Manzo, who's rocking and awesome. And then we're featuring the famous Francis in the Bach A major. No, Dr. Francis Yun. Oh, the, the famous... <laughs> Dr. Francis Yoon in Bucks. Actually, a hair doctor. Okay, hair doctor. Oh my god! Hair Cap- famous Dr. Francis Yoon. Hair famous Kapellmeister. Hair <laughs> dick master. Anyway. He sounds great. And yeah. We've only just started, so it's fun. We have the whole, all the participants here playing a chamber orchestra together. Yeah. And I've been a few times before. And we have a blast. So this year it's the Four Seasons. Yeah, and I mean, Aislinn's a favorite. Every year we get. Oh my god, I love Aislinn so oh. much. She was so energetic. She really made me think about Baroque music. I pay them a lot to say that stuff, mm. so I'm glad that it's really? making dividends. <laughs> Those checks are we really We should be harsh. getting more royalties <laughs> soon. Anyways, so Aislinn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Huh. How did you get into Baroque music? Baroque music. Well, I wanted to be in a string quartet growing up, and I studied modern violin, and I had a very serious group of a string quartet that I played with. We met when I was 15, so we finished high school as playing quartets whenever we were in school. And we uh, all were in Toronto during our undergraduates, some of us studying at the University of Toronto, some of us at the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto. And we, we dreamed of, once we finished our undergraduate degree, going off to study together and making it as a professional string quartet. Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, we broke up. <laughs> so that's, oh, sometimes, that's sometimes what happens in first love. Uh, we're all still friends to this day. but um, That speaks a we lot, were, actually. Yeah. yeah. We're, still friends. We're, all, we're all still musicians. We're all doing chamber music in different ways, and we're all still friends. 
and it was incredibly difficult at the time, but in hindsight, I realized that it was probably the best decision. Right. But I was, um, if I'm perfectly honest, I was sitting around moping a little bit and feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> and I uh, thought that no one had ever known the pain that I was feeling at that time. I was 19 or 20, fair mm-hmm. enough. And my very good friend, Julia Wedman, who's another violinist who studied with my teacher in Toronto at that time, said, you're really feeling sorry for yourself. I'm getting a little annoyed. Um, let's move <laughs> That's on. a good friend. It's a good friend. She yeah. said, come on, I'm, this is really boring. I have a concert on Friday night. I need you to play. The violinist okay. bailed. One little detail. It's on Baroque violin. I um, said, I don't know how to play Baroque violin. violin. <laughs> small deal. Like, I don't know how to do that. She said, I just stop. I don't have time. Stop talking. Here's a violin. <laughs> it's got strings on it. It's got a bow. Just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. She's, I said, how do you hold it? Just. She said, just don't drop it. Okay. Easier said than done a little bit. On the Friday, we got through the concert, and it was actually fun. And that was with an ensemble I still play with called E. Furiosi Baroque Ensemble, which is a, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a, or, a little organization, a chamber group in Toronto that has three string players and a soprano. And that was over 20 years ago. Wow. Time really flies when you're having fun. And so I, I started it because my friend told me to. And then I, I got really interested in it, because even though I was a little bit terrified and didn't know what I was doing, even then, even so, I was having fun. And actually, yeah. I found this whole new passion. I didn't stop loving string quartets, but I started down this direction of studying performance practice from the 18th and 19th century. And I yeah. got, I, I became more of an academic musician than I ever was when I was in school. If you'd met me in yeah. undergrad, you'd been like, wow, she's, she's a violinist. She's trying to play really fast and really loud, like all the other violinists. And I was sort of like, don't talk to me about the composer. Just you know, yeah, yeah. let me play my scales. Let me do my thing. Let me try to do my concerto. And uh, through studying Baroque music, I got really into the, the history, the background, the composers' mm-hmm. lives, and the different ways that they notated things, and, and the different instruments from the 18th century, which is a violin, but it's different. Yeah. I use different strings, and so it really gave me a whole second lease on life uh, in terms of my musical interests, right. and what what I had no idea what happened was that 10 years later, I would actually get to play string quartets anyway, because I now have a string quartet that plays on Baroque instruments. We specializing music from the first hundred years of the string quartet literature. Mm-hmm. So it's called the Eibler Quartet, and we play on gut strings with, with early bows, and we play Haydn and Mozart, and also the golden oldies of Dittersdorf and Von Hall and Oscar Mayer and all these people who worked in and around mm-hmm. Mozart and Haydn and Beethoven, but who maybe didn't make it in terms of the test of time. Right. But there's an incredible amount of repertoire. It's been, if anything, it's enriched my appreciation for the really famous guys. Haydn right. and Mozart It's given me even more excitement about so, yeah, I would never have known this was the direction that my career would take because I still played modern violin for many years after I picked up the Baroque. I did both. And mm-hmm. now I really specialize in Baroque violin just because I don't have enough hours in the day to practice all the different. I just can't find time to play modern anymore, but I still love doing it. You still it do up. a fair amount. Though. I still do a fair amount. Yeah. But it's mostly just I went where the gigs were. Right. And the gigs were on gut strings. And yeah. So it's it's not what I would have thought would have happened to me, but I'm yeah. thrilled that it did. Well, so it's like that mode of stepping in yeah. has led you to so many things. Yeah, exactly. I stepped in in terms of that first concert 20 years ago on gut was something actually really hard. Pergolese stuff wow. up modern. It's actually really hard. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, thankfully, nobody told me. I was just trying to not drop uh-huh. the instrument and not freak out. But it turns out that it was a little bit like trying to climb Everest without <laughs> having any ropes with you. And so I didn't know any better. And then I figured out it was hard. And mm-hmm. Now I can't play it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's I do. You, know, you mentioned it's like Mozart. I'd say Mozart, yeah. If someone tells you it's hard, all of a sudden you get paralyzed. Yeah, exactly. yeah but yeah, Mendelssohn, I play, I play romantic music on gut strings, and yeah. if and when appropriate, and with transitional bows. Well, I mean, how steel strings are still relatively new, right? Yeah, the steel E string wasn't in. Metal strings were being used, but um, my understanding from what I've been able to find out is that steel E strings really didn't take over until after the First World War, if you can believe okay. it. So there's a lot of repertoire that 
we might find in the standard canon uh, that actually would have been originally played on gut strings, pure gut with no winding, especially E, E strings and A strings. Hmm. Um, things like, for example, probably early Schoenberg. Oh, I've wow. done Verklaffenacht on pure gut E and A string, and it's really hard, but it's really fun. Hmm. And uh, I think people, they were aware of wire strings. Strings could be, the higher strings could be made out of wire. A good example is harpsichord strings have always been made out of yeah. different kinds of metal. That's always been the case. So it's not like the technology wasn't available. They were hard to make, but it was possible. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that people, string players were aware of them, but they preferred the natural gut. In spite of its real delicacy and sort of, they wear out really easily and they break and they fray on all these things. They, I think there must have been something about the timbre of the sound that people were drawn to. Well, they could have just put wire. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Personal opinion too. But. but what draws you to gut versus steel? Yeah. Well, at first it was because that's what everybody was doing who played baroque. Uh -huh. I didn't really think about it. But now that I've spent a considerable amount of time in the world of playing on plain, what I call plain gut, so gut with no wire wrapped around it, I feel like the the gut gives me a different sound color universe that I have access to mm. than metal would. And boy, sometimes when my strings are breaking and going out of tune because they're made of sheep intestine, I'm like, give me some wire, give me some steel, and just let me get through this concert. It's 90% humidity, and it's oh, no. 100 degrees, and, I'm I'm, and it's like my violin's going to explode, and, yeah. which happens, but I just tell myself it's part of the fun. But mm -hmm. what I do feel it gives me the, all the trouble that we go to to have these delicate strings on, I, for me, there's a, an even wider palette of articulation available, mm -hmm. um, specifically the way you start the note, the way you end yeah. it too, but the way you set the string in motion to vibrate with the bow, on a, I believe, this is just personal opinion, I don't have any science to back it up, I believe on plain gut there's more ways to do that, that the sound can be anything from quite harsh, like a, like I might imitate my bow with a t or a k sound, yeah. oh. the start of a word, or anything from that to a w or a v or a m, and I think it's possible to get those differences on, on metal, especially since we're professionals, but it's a lot harder work. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of treatises from the 18th century talk about the sound at the beginning of the stroke of the bow, Oh. People often say that the 18th century people who play on 18th century instruments become virtuosi of the right hand. Oh, of course, if you're a violinist, you got to do the left hand stuff too. But, <laughs> but I, I think that's true that there might be. If I, I don't like to make generalities, but I, in my personal experience, it feels like there's more easily possible a larger range of articulation and um, expression with the right hand on gut strings. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a parallel to harpsichord. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. It's, it's like what Einstein said. I feel like. Early music people pay close attention to the beginnings and ends of note, how you approach right, okay. the key is the beginning yeah. of the note, and how you leave the key is the end of the note. And I, again, don't like to make generalities, but mm. I think it's pianists. Really <laughs> oh, yeah. you can make generalities. It's okay, fine. Yeah. But I think pianists just tend to think, boom, here's the sound. Oh my god, yes. Wow. Mm. Yeah, right? sure. Rather than thinking what Aislinn just said yeah. beginning consonants and also ending consonants, how you yeah. leave a note. And I think. Yeah that's so much more expressive and more fun. It can yeah. be, and it certainly lends itself, to my experience, it's the, that those differences of starting and stopping lend themselves to the 18th century and the early 19th century style. Yeah. Because yeah. I think composers had it in mind, too. They weren't, I think most of them weren't thinking about continuous sound. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's very beautiful, too, and that comes in in the late 19th century, and that's exquisite. Like really hard to do on a pure cut string <laughs> with a bow, right. bow to have a very long, continuous note. Uh, it's not impossible, it's super hard. Right. And so I think there's a conversational aspect to 18th century music that can be lost if you're not aware of how you're starting and stopping yeah. every note. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something structure. that, that yeah. has like, struck me with playing with just, just on a bass level, playing with string players, is, is thinking about bow stroke or thinking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. 
how they release a note. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, there's so many things I can do with the pedal. I don't have to just like release it like a it's not on or off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's just a very small version sure. of what you guys are talking about. But even with gut, but with gut, there's so many. many. Like as a continual player, like I can watch the cello's bow mm-hmm. and see, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be kind of a duh. Right oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I'm so glad you. Did. I was. Sound, I felt a bit crazy bringing that up. No, 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 no. So I think in consonants all the time. Yeah, cool. And more together. Yeah. If you're thinking the same one. Exactly. I think. Maybe that's something that people might be interested in is exactly what are my playing gut strings that I talk about made of. Yeah. Um, yes. Because it can be, um, there's there's sort of an urban legend that they, they were made of cat gut. And cat gut? Cat mm-hmm. gut. And well, I, as far as I know, so it's not true, don't worry. Um, but as far as I know, gut strings could be made of any intestine. And so in the 18th century, I can't say that people didn't use cat, but as far as I've been told by string makers, that's probably not likely. It would have been a last resort. What the go-to. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the cat, yeah, it was like, what have you what have you got lying around? And so sheep... Um, Rat gut? Uh, yeah, she, Rat too gut. small. <laughs> sheep gut, sheep gut, and mm. beef. I'm not going to comment on that. Chapter <laughs> River. You've been listening to too much true crime. Yeah. Sheep gut, beef gut, those are probably the most common. Yeah, and mm-hmm. actually, so the, the intestine, so I, my, I prefer sheep. A lot of my friends use cow. Because they're so peaceful. I guess that, I don't know, that, but maybe. Um, but it's definitely something that would have been known in slaughterhouses. And the material that is made into my strings is exactly what people use to make sausages out of. It's oh, the casing. Actually casing. It's exactly wow. that. Ooh. It's casing for sausages. Should so I people save are my actually, casing for you? And we need a lot of it. We need it to be differently processed, <laughs> I think. Sorry. But people, just so people, it, it's not a totally foreign concept that yeah. people have, most people who are vegan or vegetarian have experience with this material. It's like haggis. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, mm-hmm. and I also tell myself, like, well, I'm not happy that it's an animal part. At least we're using the whole animal. But we're using the icky bits that no one else wants. Exactly. And so they, what they do is they, they clean them. It's, it's actually a very complicated process. It's, these string makers are highly trained. And, and yeah. then their gut strings are good ones, are made by hand. They have oh, to be. Okay. With some machines helping along the way in the polishing process. But they're basically cleaned, uh, bleached, or used some, some kind of chemicals used on them to get the, the icky stuff off. Separated into strands, yeah, the smell. Separated into strands, dried, and at some point before they're completely dried, they're twisted into ropes. So oh, I'm they're actually twisted. Playing, yeah, they're twisted, and okay. then they dry and twisted, and then the amount of twist is going to affect the sound. And and now oh. I'm really, you should just get a string maker on, and then you'll be talking all night. Because <laughs> now I'm just making stuff up. All I know is, you know, I'm a violinist. I need a string. Sell me one. I'll put it on. But it's these these. They're actually ropes. And so if you see someone's my E string will only last if I'm playing vigorously right. three or four days each E string, and it'll oh, start wow. to fray. It looks like a rope, and it's only three strands of gut in my oh, E string. Okay. And so the more, the bigger the string, the lower the pitch. The more strands have been woven in okay. and twisted in. So I can't even remember how many are in a cello string, but the the long, basically the long, many, the more the strands, the more likely the string is to last, unless there's some crazy flaw in it. And the okay. E string on the violin has always been, being the thinnest and smallest, yeah. has always been the hardest to get that are stable and last. And I, if I have a concert at night, I wake up and I put on an E string. Yeah. Okay. It's incredibly annoying because, of course, they don't stay in tune for a while, and yeah. it's just part of life. But I'm paranoid. I hate breaking a string in a concert. You have to. It happens all the time. Yeah. And if I have to change a string in a concert, which is no it's just out of tune. Yeah. I'm like, I practice all this time so I can play out of tune. It's so frustrating. <laughs> so I try to change them proactively, but then yeah. I have a lot of expenses on my taxes. Yeah. How would you describe to those who are making the switch from steel to gut? What is 
What is like the main difference between getting used to that? Let's not even oh. talk about bows. Oh yeah, Let's talk about the psychological yeah. question. Just before I talk about the strings, yeah. I just want to say that if someone's asking how they can get more into the sound world and style of the 18th century, I say get a bow because they're yeah. actually cheap. Uh-huh. There's there's reasonable ones that are quite oh. cheap. They're starting to be mass produced that's in Asia. Yeah. So that's but that's fine. But like we don't even have to get into bows. But just everybody out there, get a bow and <laughs> go on eBay. Spend How twenty bucks. That was going to be my new. The next, the next one. Well, we can go back to well, that. We can but, go back to that. But, but so, and, and if people already have one, or yeah. they say something about the strings, I say, you know, as for a violinist, I say even just changing one or two of the strings on your instrument, just changing yeah. the E, the steel E, or whatever you're using, hopefully steel, most of us have to, change that to a gut string. It won't hurt your instrument. I can show you how to put it on. Email me. <laughs> Email these guys at the podcast, and I'll pass along how to put it on a modern instrument. It doesn't hurt at all. And that just having that different tactile sensation under your fingers and the different way that that the string responds to a bow, any bow, mm-hmm. will, I think, start to help you enter into possibilities in the sound world. It'll feel different to shift. It'll feel different to touch. To be honest, violinist, if you're listening, I have way smaller and nicer, lighter calluses playing on gut than I ever had on metal. You have very elegant hands, I Thank have to say. <laughs> Thank you. I work with them. I mean, what is, how would you describe the way it feels? It yeah. feels softer. Softer. Yeah, and I, I mean, it doesn't make sense that I'm pressing less hard because it's gut, but it feels that I have to press, I don't have to press as hard. Okay. Because it's got, or maybe I just got better in the last. Is it like years. a I caress? So. Yeah, well, the regular steel strings feel like I'm caressing them in a way too. But I did mm. notice that my calluses are lighter, and you know, calluses for us can be an issue because they get in the way when you play, and uh-huh. they can yeah. make it hard to, to move around. Yeah, I'd, I guess it just it's it feels it feel it is different. It's a different feeling. It's a tactile sensation that's different, and I would recommend everybody at least try it. I mean, you must feel it that way. You, yeah, you no, don't I play mean, piano anymore. You play, but the tactile still the, play piano. the keys, depressing and harpsichord key is so different. Yeah. I'm, I'm revising Bitch is about it all the time. He's changing. I'm changing. He's growing up. And I'm all growing things up. that are making you change is Lisp. What? Right? Lisp. You said you were learning some Lisp. It's true. I, I started playing Lisp last summer. I'm impressed. Because, mm. I don't know, I wanted to play some Lisp. Yeah. You wanted to be masticated. I did. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to call Lisp. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been reading about lists in terms uh, yeah, because I've been reading about Clara Schumann. Oh, okay. Their interactions. It's interesting. I didn't have much time for list before, but there's some. He seemed like he might have been kind of a charming oh, he's guy. Fascinating. I he's yeah. a fascinating guy. He doesn't write violin yeah. music, so meh. Right, right. For me. Yeah. But now I'm reading I mean, about Clara Schumann. I'm like, hey, this guy sounds kind of cool. I'd like, love to have a beer with list. I'd love to have a beer with Haydn. Was that you? Yeah. Oh, no, you never used list. I would have many beers with Haydn, and I feel like I might have a crush on list. Seems a bit dreamy. There's, there's a, he was a good looking Whoa, guy. Man. Except for that wart thing. Yeah, but I think um, he really made it work for him. Yeah. No, he yeah, was a so very t- svelte little wart. But he was a total womanizer, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I remember reading this one biography. It was hilarious because it was all about his sexual exploits and this oh. woman coming down with a gun and shooting him. Oh. Then he converted into um, a priest. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was that's fascinating that. to me. Yeah. Was that genuine? I always thought he just liked the way he looked in the room. Yeah. I mean, he still got laid. I know. So that's. Yeah. And he, I don't think he was away. a full priest, though, to be fair to list. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. took the vows, I think. He took the, but there's like a certain level where you can yeah. still... Uh, I used well, to think that about Vivaldi, but I, I was told I was wrong. I used to think he wasn't a full priest, Vivaldi, but I think that's wrong. And yeah, I think they found that the, the evidence is that he was, that he did actually give mass and do all the things. Because oh. I used to think, oh, I was just doing it to get the job. Was right. Vivaldi a womanizer, or...? I don't. You know, that would be not bad. A, it's to not think. on record. Yeah. But because I mean, he, he was in girl a girls' school. Yeah, girls' yeah. school. Yeah. He, he had a contentious relationship with the with the management, but I feel that that was probably because he didn't feel very well valued. And uh-huh. I think if it had been womanizing, they would have just said, That's "Get true. out! There's yeah. the door." You're there's annoying. a ready excuse. Yeah. However, a bunch of very talented young women in a convent. I know. Hmm. 
yeah. playing music. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. In the age of no Nietzsche, you will also, not yeah, discuss no, no, this further. <laughs> Still but great music. Venice mm-hmm. was Las Vegas, so I mean, totally, really but better, yeah. better oh. music. But with better music, it was like totally anything goes. Yeah, in that's why. That's why they were all there. These a yeah. lot of these women were oh. abandoned from. Whatever episode of partying happened, they just show up with a little baby on the doorstep. Yeah. They're just little illegitimate children. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much why uh, Vivaldi Venice. had a job. So I'm just wondering, maybe he could have womanized, and it was yeah. Venice, and it was. And it wasn't. He was smarter. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? There's hmm. not a ton of documentation about his personal life, so. Yeah, but I feel like we would know because he was famous enough that. I think there are enough suspicions that yeah. we would know because people would think so. Or at least there'd be a rumor. Well, I don't yeah. think so. Well, because Handel, we don't know anything about his personal life, and he was super famous. That's a good point. That's true. He's too busy making money. Yeah. That's why I always think about him as boring because I don't know anything. Well, about you don't know anything about Handel. Exactly. So that's why I think that. But move on. I'm sure he's not. Okay. So what you said, you said Haydn and Liszt. Who are the the, the top three people you would have at a dinner party that are? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Haydn for sure. I, I actually spend a lot. I, I like to think of myself as a specialist, a specialist at least in performing Haydn's music. I really love oh. it. I really, really love it. Um, and I just have so many questions for him. Mm-hmm. I actually spend a lot of my time in research and practicing, imagining that I'm asking him questions. And mm-hmm. It kind of gets me stupid. They're like, really? You really imagine you're talking to Haydn? Full fledged conversation. It's like, well, you know, he's, he's, maybe he's telling style. me what I want to hear. But anyway, so for him for sure. And then I think Mozart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Don't you think it'd be annoying though? Yeah, but I want to see it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for but sure. But Haydn and Mozart together might also be a lot of fun. Yeah, I suspect. Yeah, yeah especially now that they're not being super professionally competitive anymore, because yeah. I think that was Mozart had a lot of reference for him. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah, I think it went both ways. Mm. I mean, it must have. Yeah. Um, and in a way, they weren't really in competition. Haydn was the man, the mom. Right. And I guess the third one, I'm very curious about. It's hard to pick between Vivaldi and Corelli because I feel mm-hmm. like Vivaldi must have been a really Fiery personality. Um, That's and just he must the red hair. Like a demon. Yeah, I have red <laughs> hair. It's not entirely natural, my red hair. His was. Um, but I just feel like I want to know his charisma must have been something extraordinary, even for a day of people who played the hell out of the violin. I mean, right. it, was very, it was the century of the <clears throat> virtuoso violinist, and he stood out. However, Corelli, because it seemed to me like he was an incredible virtuoso, and everybody really liked him. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. like, like Corelli, he was a really nice guy. Is oh. what I'm wondering. What that? So he, yeah, he seemed like a high functioning, nice, cool person. Around. Yeah, mm. but he also, I mean, he really Corelli's work fundamentally yeah. changed music, violin music, right. in a way that it's really hard to to credit just one person doing. But he just showed so many people that these things that were never possible before were possible, in his publications. And and apparently he was wonderful to work with. So it's, I would have a hard time picking maybe Vivaldi. Because I play more Vivaldi in my mm-hmm. career, but well, it, yeah. I guess it depends on who you have more questions for. Yeah, good point. Uh, I have some questions for Vivaldi, but okay. how do you do this? <laughs> how do you play this thing? Yeah, I still remember that first year you were here. We we labeled the concert the Red Priest, and this oh, woman boy. thought it meant like some weird cult concert. Mm-hmm. That, like, and she said it to you mm-hmm. at a, at the dinner, which and she was really lovely. And she said, "Well, what's the priest gonna do tomorrow?" Uh-oh. I said, "Oh no." It's just, that's what people used to call him Vivaldi. She was really upset, because I don't think she quite understood what I meant. That it had been his nickname, or supposedly yeah. at the time. So, but, but, so there'll be no priest? No. no. I mean, maybe one will attend the concert, but we won't be doing any kind of formal religious ceremony. She, she, I don't know if she even came, actually. I think she was oh, so, she must have. Yeah. She's, she's she didn't one mean of it. the ones okay, to come. Yeah. She yeah. didn't mean it badly. She was just so concerned. 
Well, I just I... love that she thought she was like asking you about the picture of you. Yeah. She was like, what is this, this weird picture? Yeah, of, I was, like red hair. Me. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. no. That's almost as good as the time that I got. Um, after a concert, I was in the, I just played the Four Seasons, and someone said something in passing, and I, I said, oh, thank you very much. And she said, well, what did you play on stage tonight? <laughs> she, that's right. She complimented me for the concert because right. I was coming out of the artist yeah. entrance. It's because you're not Asian. <laughs> yes, I wish. I wish I was. But she said, what did you play tonight? I said, oh, oh, um, Four creatures. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the star. The ones you just cl- anyway. Yeah. It's well, far away. Welcome you know, to the harpsichord. So nice. yeah, yeah. What did you play today? Oh, yeah. You've gotten a lot of those. I, I, I get I get that constantly. What oh, did you, you play? play? Yeah, chords. Yeah. The thing that you probably didn't hear. <laughs> you only notice it when something goes wrong. Yeah. It has a solo. <laughs> and you're usually in the back, right? I'm usually in the back. Yeah. 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 I get a lot of people complaining about that. For me, they're like, I can't see you. Yeah, like, that's kind of the nature well, of it. You like, can hear you though. I don't, yeah. like, I, don't, I don't. You know, it's not important that you see me. Actually, it's important that like they yeah. can see me. And then I have a friend who plays the lute and the orbo, and he was playing Ooh. along in one of the. What's the passion? The Bach passion that has the lute. Oh, uh, it's, 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 it's John. Is it John? It's John. It's John. So he did a joke. Shut up. I It's John. So he he did played away, and um, it's it's a pretty prominent part, but it's small anyway. This woman came up to me at the concert and goes, that was wonderful, but I have to tell you, I didn't hear the banjo at all. <laughs> what? I didn't oh, hear yeah. the banjo at all. God yeah. bless people who come yeah. to concerts, though. I we that. welcome these concerts. Yeah. yeah, it's wonderful. It's great. It's good stories. The so. banjo. I mean, it's an 18th century banjo. 16th it century It really banjo. is. Yeah. Why make... <laughs> I'm wondering if they ever heard it, though. If they yeah, ever heard harpsichord and theorbo, even way back when. Yeah. You play them. You play with a good sound. You make that thing sing. Some yeah. people don't, but oh, you really? notice when it's missing because it's yeah. really structural. It mean, is. As well as being when in your when you're in your concerto, you're being featured, and it's melodic and virtuosic and all these things. But at rest time, you're you're keeping me in line. You're the skeleton, mm-hmm. the the backbone of what. So it's like if it's not there, it's a disaster. But if it's there, you just have a nice backbone. But I, this I, actually is a good transition into what I want to talk to you about, Aislinn, which is what qualities do you look for in a continual player? What do you appreciate? Look at how squinty his eyes are. I know. He was really, I was really scared I know, I was about squinty. what he was going to say. I know. Am this I going to be one, honest? Be honest, yeah. I want someone to make me sound good. That's honest. okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, Great. how do they do that? How do they do that? How do they do that? Do you have any idea? I have no idea what's going on over there most of the time. Okay. <laughs> and, it's, and I keep asking people I love to work with, and you're one of them, that what can I tell people who I don't, when they don't like what they're doing, what can I say? Right. Um, I have this uh, colleague I used to play with an orchestra in Canada called Tafel Music for mm-hmm. or- Orchestra, and I played with them for 10 years, and their wonderful harpsichordist is called Charlotte Nettiger, mm-hmm. and I think she has, she's someone I also love to work with, and she has this magic ability to make whoever's playing a solo with her sound better, mm-hmm. and and whenever I, for years, I, I would play with pe- other people elsewhere who had less experience than she does, and I would want to say, you know, you sound more like Charlotte, but that's yeah. just not useful. When yeah. you don't. better. And so I would ask her, you know, like, what kind say when a person's not quite mm-hmm. and she could never quite put into words at least that I could understand what the difference was mm-hmm. between her and I wonder if it's experience um, well you must have some idea could, I mean, you probably have an idea but I don't I, have an well, idea I think you, you probably have more of an idea than you give yourself credit maybe. for I think maybe the way to frame the question mm-hmm. is what don't you like uh, okay. yes, yeah. yeah well there's the very basic ensemble issue yeah. if someone's not if the, especially if the baseline I mean 
you've probably spoken on your podcast about the fact that Francis, when he's playing Cthulhu, is just making stuff up all the time. He's making up, he's realizing well, parts. Actually, what and he's supposed like to. A Vulcan mind meld. Yeah. Is what you said. Oh, what, that's with, with the, the cellist. Oh, with the, the cellist. cellist. I'm yeah. sorry. That's what, he's playing context, the same part as you are. So you're part. adding chords yeah. to whatever the cellist exactly. is playing. And so all the chord stuff, most of it, as a soloist or someone leading the orchestra or standing farther away from me, that's like you do with what you want as long mm-hmm. as it doesn't clash with what I'm doing. But when I feel, I think when I feel most comfortable is when the bass line is exactly with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. That you can tell you can tell someone exactly, okay, this beat's going to be here and this beat's going to come here and we're going to be musical here and take time. But that's boring. And so if someone just is with me, too. it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one way to do it. But it's much more fun if, if someone just sits down and can, can, I guess, I think, I suspect you're listening on such a level that you're anticipating most what I'm doing and so you're there with me you're not following I always tell this to my team right. students yeah. don't follow you're behind you're going to be late yeah. yeah do not follow someone be with them if you walk mm-hmm. together you walk next to each other yeah. uh-huh. if you follow you're wrong. I like that walk yeah, next to each other yeah. Yeah. following eh, doesn't work in chamber music no. we're so always being more with, active yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a great way of putting it so an active bass line that's active in a way that's helpful to me yeah. is, is I'm sure what I'm seeking and then of course different styles uh-huh. German or Italian or we're doing some German music we're doing Italian music and they're different. And but it's like an intuition thing, right? I mean, it's not, well, part is, first of all, the biggest hurdle for being together with the harpsichord mm-hmm. with strings is that it's a plank versus a blah. And it's yeah. just knowing when to place that right. plank. Yeah. Your sound is immediately, after initial, yeah. the initial contact is immediately going to kill well, And yeah. mine isn't, unless I let it. Yeah, right. so I just need to make sure that my yeah. plank sounds like yeah, and then you could probably you probably have decisions to make about how the notes end. Yeah, and I'm already on the next thing, listening for when our plink, your plink, <laughs> and my bow change or whatever it happens to be. Well, if like, we start the note together, we feel together. Yeah. In a specific instance, um, how would you determine how you end the note? Or what you well, I mean, it's, I've been. It's really watching the bow. I think. Uh, like oh, really that's great to hear. Visual. That's what I tell everybody all the time, and I thought I was just making. No, 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 it really helps, yeah. It really, I mean, yeah, you must have for piano, too. yeah, for piano, I end think it's the same thing. Quintet. Yeah. Look at the bow to end that double, yeah. But uh-huh. it's also, like, even, like, in a the baroque, frog, yeah, like, in a baroque, whatever, like, yeah. a violin sonata, someone plays this chord, final chord, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to go plow. Right. And you just mm. have to roll it, and you're just trying oh. to match, and there she is at the tip of the and bow. And you taper with it. That's so interesting. You know? And it's hard to do. Oh, it must be. Especially if you're a keyboard player who has mm. no experience. Because you don't want to be the hangover, right? The, like, the what? musical hangover where the bow's gone, and you're like, exactly. clang, clang, clang. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't roll to the right note. Or order, even yeah. like... That my roll doesn't match your shape. Cool. Because you can yes, go, of course. And if you're still going, roll, you're crescendoing. So you're crescendo, and I yeah. could go boop, 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 and I could have a diminuendo chord, and that doesn't make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's chicken. Yeah. You're chicken, then. So it's just <laughs> really matching. Oh, that's great to hear about the bows, because it's sort of how I structure my life. I work a lot with orchestras, yeah. and I direct them from the violin whenever I can, because mm-hmm. the fact is conductors didn't exist until uh, the 19th century. The one caveat, the one exception being opera, I don't really do that. Mm-hmm. But most, um, and you need a conductor for that, Yeah, sort of. Although I will say that conductors of opera in the 18th century were usually subservient to the concertmaster, oh, really? who was mostly the first violin and sometimes the keyboardist. But all the sources from the time, the treatises from the time, and the descriptions of orchestral playing talk about 
designating the, the concert master. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It, it was a more multi-purpose term than it meant whoever's right. leading. And it could be a keyboardist or a violinist or another instrumentalist. But they always think violin, melody, front right. of the stage, and they can see the bow. Right. Mm -hmm. So the town in an opera often the director, concert master, would be the violinist, and they would call the conductor. They would actually they would call him time beater. And they would stick him over on the side of the pit. Oh, so he's like a metronome. Actually, yes, he no. was like a visual, visible metronome with oh a beat God. pattern so that the singers on stage could see where they were. But wow. nobody followed him. He followed the orchestra. And that is the, the way I lived my life. Well, the whole orchestra was doing it together. Yeah. And so my philosophy of directing orchestras in music that had, was written for no conductor is that we should all be able to do it without a conductor. Yeah. And usually I, I'm expecting people to be watching my bow. So I'm glad that it, that it actually helps sometimes. <laughs> that no, I have just been making this up. It just makes sense. It makes you, sense. It's, it's a visual cue, right? It's like so yeah. Yeah, musical. it's a visual cue. And if it's it, on the string, I'm making sound, maybe. And if it's not, I'm definitely not making yeah. sound. Yeah. But it's also like how you approach yeah, sure. how you lead. Yeah, and I it's think. shaped like a baton at the tip. I mean, yeah, like that. that's She's, true. There's evidence that people would can actually conduct with the tip of their bows. Why would keyboardists conduct? They don't have any of these nifty instruments. Um, I think that was probably, it, it seems to have been less frequent, but keyboardists were often the composers. Oh, and I see. So it made sense that they were the most inside the score, I think. Okay. But there's also some criticism even in these sources that actually the problem is when they're directing, we don't hear the chords because, of course, their hands aren't on the keyboard. Oh, and yeah. just they're waving around. I mean, yeah. I sometimes tease try to harmlessly tease my friends at the keyboard. You don't get hands on the keyboard, buddy. You know, if we, if we lose the bass line, we lose yeah. the reinforcement in 18th century music of the so harmony. Those, those yeah, right. We mm. need you. So it's yeah. hard to actually indicate with your hands in the air and on the keyboard. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to do. I think pianists are notoriously bad at hearing you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why would you ever I have to? I know. Yeah. Like, whenever I have the cue, I'm just like... It's still... I'm sure <laughs> keyboardists are just bad because I. that's still my biggest struggle. I think everybody's bad. I just try to flail meaningfully yeah. and like don't hesitate i would say your experience it's, level we'll see not bad. Like, <laughs> also i mean because i just got off a gig conducting a youth choir oh that's for some reason that's different just yeah doing that away from an instrument i mm -hmm. can do mm -hmm. but on and when i'm at an instrument i just can't i think hear. it makes sense and see i i think my right arm the bow arm is maybe the difference that it's actually something oh, moving around yeah. in time and space away from it's the instrument extension. Yeah. and it's anyway i don't it's just a theory but yeah conductors not a thing everyone break free <laughs> do it yourself all right well that was part one of our interview with Aislinn Noski, and i hope you tune in to hear part two and as always Please visit our website, somanywrongnotes.com, for all of our previous episodes, and subscribe to us on iTunes, and keep in touch with us on our Facebook page, So Many Wrong Notes. Thanks!